Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Glad you're with us today. Today we talk about commitment, unleashing the power of intentional commitment. In the Bible, there are some incredible people who were incredible when it came to the issue of commitment. They modeled it. They were faithful and loyal. And I want you to get your Bible open as we look at Mary and Joseph. And also we'll see some examples of Israel in their response to commitment. I want you today to think about how committed you are and measure yourself against the lessons we're going to learn today. It's going to be really great. Unleashing the power of intentional commitment. Say intentional commitment. Now that word commitment is a word I chose on purpose. Because I didn't want to use the word um, vow. You know, make a vow, promise. I wanted to use the word commit. It's a strong word and it conveys a very powerful um, set of um, of ideas, but but the big thought today, and I always sometimes now not all the time, but I have what I call the big thought is how committed are we? Now I I, I wasn't make that pronoun you, but I changed it. So no, I need to put myself in this. How committed are we? Now there are a lot of people that say we're committed, but the question is how committed are you for real? And that's a hard thing to analyze. I, I don't think that people are as committed to marriage as they say they are. I don't think people are as committed to their children as they say they are. I don't think their children are as committed to their parents as they say they are. I, I think a lot of, I don't think people are as committed to their jobs as they say they are. The average person stays three to five years. I don't know that we're just, we're, we're not like we used to be. Years ago, you went to a job, you planned to be there until you retired because the job was committed to you and you were committed to the job. Now everybody's watching out for themselves. Even your neighborhood, I mean, how committed are your neighbors to your house safety? How committed are they watching out for your children? It used to be that the whole neighborhood watched out for the kids. And people stepped up, and if the kids went home by themselves, they made sure you got in the house. They made sure that you had food. There was a sense of commitment. Now you're afraid of the neighbor. And so there's this real strange thing that goes around now that well, we not, we're not committed. As a pastor, how committed am I as a pastor to you? And how committed are you to me? Do We live in these different worlds where it's not about commitment. It's about distance and staying apart. So I want to ask a few questions that kind of will get the ball rolling. And I love questions because they just make you think about things. Who, who in your life would you say is the most committed person you personally know? Think about this for a minute. Think of a name of an individual that you personally interact with. Someone that you're, you're around all the time and you say, who, this person is the most committed person I know. Secondly, ask yourself this. What, what are they committed to and and, and what, is it that they, what is it that they do that impresses you? So they're, they're committed, you say, but what, what are they committed to? Is it a cause? Now, my, my argument, and as you see over the next several months, I'm going to really press our church to be committed to specific things. Missionary work, a specific country, a specific group of people, a specific place where we invest our time and money and resource, a specific, specific place we go every year, a specific need we meet. Sometimes we're not committed to a specific thing, and it shows up when you ask those hard questions. Now, what person outside of your family? 
uh, would you say you're committed to? Now, I like to throw the outside of the family thing in because who cares that you're committed to your kids? We expect that. Or your mother or your father. But outside of your immediate family, who are you committed to? What group would stand up here and say, because of the commitment of this person, of this family, we're able to do what we do? Last question is, what if everybody in the world was as committed as you are? Just imagine you are the template, you are the model, you are the example. You are the one person that everybody emulates. If everybody was as committed to voting as you, how many people would vote in America? How many people would, would know the state of our public economy if everybody paid attention to it the way you do? Think about it for a second. Are you committed? I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out what you're committed to beyond your paycheck, your work, your life. If everybody was as committed as you are to the work of God, how many souls would be saved in a year? If everybody just won as many people as you won this year or witnessed to or shared your faith, how many people would there be in church? Would there be a church to go to if everybody was committed to you? Would worship be silent or engaging, strong? What would it be like? Would it be energetic or would it be just, ah, that's entertaining. I like the way that looks. What would it be like if everybody said what you said? Would there be any, would there be any money? Would there be any resource? Would you have lights on? Would you have, would you have a building? If everybody gave the percentage you give, and you have to understand it's all about percentages. It's not the amount. The amount's totally irrelevant sometimes because people have different levels of income. A person who makes, who makes $100 a week and gives God $10 in tithe, that's what a tithe is, it's a tenth. That person is making a huge statement. A person who makes 1000 and gives God $10 is not making as big a statement because it's not a big sacrifice. It's just a token. There's nothing in it of life and, and vitality. You go to Walmart and spend more than that. For you, a thousand bucks, you make a thousand bucks, you give God $10. We're smiling at you think, come on, for real. There's something about that. There's something about a level of commitment. In your life, what are you really committed to? And that's a moment to pause and that's the moment when you must reflect. Now, I want to show you, if I can, three examples of commitment. I call the challenge commitment brings. Whenever you decide to be committed, you're going to have challenge. And in our Bible study today, I'm going to show you three people that three, three examples of commitment. And there are three simple statements about each one. Mary was an example of a person who was committed to surrender. She was committed to surrender to God no matter what it cost her. The angel comes to her and tells her she's going to have a child and that she's going to have a child before she's married, and that the child is going to be placed in her womb. She's not going to do anything immoral, but this is going to be a miracle, a miracle virgin birth. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 38, records Mary's response. I want you to notice this. I'm only, I'm only going to read Mary's response to the request. When the angel tells her this, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Say that with me, please. Come on. I am the Lord's servant. Watch this. Mary answered. She said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. That's from the New International Version. Now, the, the message Bible says a little bit differently. It says in Luke 138, Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. In other words, I surrender. I'm totally committed. 
I don't understand this. I've never seen it done. I'm not quite clear what the implications are for me, but it doesn't sound good because nobody is going to believe that you placed the baby in my womb. They're going to blame Joseph. So we're both going to end up in a bad place. But because we trust you, we are committed and we surrender. See, true commitment surrenders even when it doesn't understand all the implications, but it's, it surrenders. True, true commitment surrenders in a moment of frustration and confusion. Joseph's another example because he not only surrendered, he embraced. He embraced the concept that was hard and he did it without murmuring. It was a calling on his life. God called him to be the husband of Mary, the father of Jesus. And Matthew 1, when Joseph woke up from this dream, what dream? He woke up, an angel spoke to him. And said, Joseph, listen, I know it doesn't look good. Mary looks like she's not been faithful to you, but this is me. I placed the baby in her womb. She did not do anything immoral. And so when he woke up, watch what it says in Matthew 124. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He did what the angel told him and took Mary home as his wife. I guarantee you his family thought he was crazy. I guarantee you people thought this guy had lost his mind. And so now all of a sudden you have two people, one who's surrendered and one other one who's embraced. They, they embrace commitment at a level that's higher than anybody they know. Anybody they knew. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been the most committed person? Have you ever been the person who gave the most sacrifice? Have you ever been the one who gave it all? And, you know, the, the temptation is to look around you and say, well, who else is doing something? You know, you want to say, well, come on, people. I'm, I'm laying it all on the line. I need some more people to join me. Here's a clue. Most of the time when you're really committed, you're alone. So Mary's committed. Joseph's committed. Israel, the nation, had a challenge with commitment. They struggled with it. Now, now the reason we struggle with commitment is because commitment can be challenging. Because it goes to the very core of things we like. You know, it, it, it's, you, ever, you ever had this, this, this thing that you just liked and, it, and you know you shouldn't eat it, but you just like it. And in those moments you struggle, you struggle because it's something I like. Well, it's not just food we struggle with. We struggle with, with habits. And, and I want to just read a little bit, if I can. And, and there's only, like, I think nine verses here I want to read. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 5 and verse 6 through 10. And I want to just read it and let you just kind of listen to the commitment struggle that the whole nation of Israel went through. It was hard for them to be focused and committed. Listen to what it says in verse 1. It says, um, uh, it said, remember our history, friends, and be warned. All our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours as Moses led them. And he's let me pause here. He's he's painting this picture. Paul is. And you got to understand, Paul's a scholar, right? He's a smart, smart guy. And this is the message Bible version I'm reading to you. So it's kind of contemporary. And Paul is simply trying to paint a picture. And he uses Israel going through the Red Sea as a picture of baptism, you know, and he's just making a parallel trying to show us what they did that's similar to what we did. And he uses Christ as an analogy and all that. So just kind of hang with me. Let me start again. Verse one. Remember our history, friends, and be warned. All our ancestors were led by the providential cloud and taken miraculously miraculously through the sea. They went through the waters in a baptism like ours as Moses led them from enslaving death to salvation life. 
He led them from enslaving death to salvation life. Remember, they were in Egypt. He led them to freedom. They ate and drank identical food and drink meals uh, provided daily by God. They drank from the rock, God's fountain for them that stayed with them wherever they went. The fountain provision stayed with them wherever they went. Say that with me, please. Come on. Wherever they went. Come on. Say that. Come on. Whether you're in Georgia, whether you're in Alabama, wherever you are, God says, wherever Israel went, I was with them wherever they went, wherever they were. And the rock that followed them was really Christ. This is Paul making those analogies. But just experiencing God's wonder and grace didn't seem to mean much. Most of them were defeated by temptations during the hard times in the desert. And God was not pleased. Now, there's a lesson in that that's very simple. You think if I give somebody a whole lot, if I give this kid a bunch of tennis shoes, clothes, housing, free food, college degree, whatever he wants, he's going to be obedient. Ha! You rather sneak out the window and go hang with his friends. You want to just look at him and say, dummy, you, 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 <laughs> what if I lock the window and you can't get back in? I mean, this, this, you, you understand that provision alone does not bring commitment. That a lot of people are confused when they give somebody everything like God did here to a nation, leads them from slavery to salvation, from bondage through the Red Sea, all the things mentioned here, and it doesn't make them faithful. Verse 6 through verse 10, same thing could happen to us. He goes on to say, we must be on guard so that we never get caught up in wanting our own way as they did. And we must not turn our religion into a circus, as they did. For the people partied, then they, drew a, then they threw a dance. We must not be sexually promiscuous. They paid for that, remember, with 23,000 deaths in one day. You can read the story. It's a fascinating story. We must never try to get Christ to serve us instead of us serving him. We must never try to get Christ to serve us instead of us serving him. I really think sometimes when I hear our prayers, we, we're almost demanding God do something. It's like, you must be committed to me. Uh, you're serving me. And it's like, you're kidding. You ever had someone that you took care of tell you that? Yeah, I, I've seen this. You know, parenting is one of the greatest experiences in life. You want all of your kids to become parents so you can watch them. <laughs> just one. <laughs> so please let it happen in my, in my lifetime because you just go, oh, my goodness. Oh, I just, I, mean, I just dream of the day when they, when they call me and say, they're not home yet. I said, really? You mean like you told them to be home at what time and they didn't show up? Click. Oh, God, this is a good time. You know? <laughs> and if they're, and they're in my house, I'm not going to tell them. You know what I mean? I want to worry for a few minutes. Just worry. Just, this is so good. Why? Because you're just amazed at how these people forget. And they can make it seem, if you're not careful, like it's all about them. I love this statement. We must never try to get Christ to serve us instead of us serving him. And they tried it, called tempting God. And God launched an epidemic of poisonous snakes on them. That's not pleasant to read. We must be careful not to stir up discontent. Discontentment destroyed them. Now, this is the part of the Bible you read and people go, ah, that's that negative part, I'll tell you, that's that part. You just, oh, I hate reading the Bible. It's a fire and brimstone, preacher. 
No, I'm just telling you what happened to people. I'm just trying to make you understand the difference between commitment and not being committed and how easy it is for a person to not be committed. And I gave you a list of questions commitment raises. There are five questions that commitment raises. And I want you to see this. You see the challenge commitment brings for Mary and Joseph and what it brought for Israel. You saw those things. It brought them a challenge. Mary had to decide to surrender. Joseph had to decide to embrace. Israel had to learn how to get over the struggle they faced. I like to do this. I like to do that, but it's not right. It's not consistent with my commitment. I want to eat this, but I shouldn't because I made a commitment. So now five questions commitment raises. First of all, am I committed to dealing with my temptations? That's that's the question. Am I really am I really willing to deal with my temptations? Am I do I have the courage to even list them? Can I say, Ricky Temple, you will do this. So don't put yourself there. Can I be honest about this? Can I say that this is a relationship I can't have? Can I say, you know, there's so many temptations. There's so many temptations. A friend wrote me a very nice email yesterday. And he complimented me. And in a very nice way, I was very touched by what he said. He's a banker. And in this compliment, we were talking about business. And, um, and I just, I know I, I took what he said and I thought, what, I have religious temptations that if I'm honest, I need to write it down and say, this is a temptation. To not pay attention to the business, to get so spiritual minded that you're not paying attention to the business. That's the temptation. To be so focused on, you know, you start a, a business and you start saying, oh, it's the Lord's work, it's the Lord's business, and so you're going to lay there and pray. You're going broke. There's a temptation to not be honest about yourself. And that's what Israel didn't do. They struggled with that honesty. And so Paul just starts listing stuff. Second question, am I committed to not having things my way? They wanted things their way. I like it my way. This is what I want. That's not good for you, Temple, but that's what I want. Number three, am I committed to more than my next party? Remember, they started partying. It's all about a good time. It's all about feeling good. It's all about finding something that makes me dance and feel great. I don't want a boring day. I want everything to be awesome and wonderful. I want to preach sermons where people go, yes, that was the best message I ever heard you preach. And then you, sometimes they don't even say anything. You just well, say something. Now, some of you after church are going to come, oh, it's a great message, Pastor. You know? But you got to be careful that you don't live for that, for the party, for the next big moment. Am I committed to more than my next romantic encounter? Is that the only thing you're committed to? Is that all you talk about? Is that your whole life? Is that, your, is that every thought? When you look at a single person, you feel sorry for them. Do you have anybody in your life? You know, single people get so sick of hearing this. You know, Do you have anybody in your life? you have anybody? Wow, how does that feel? To be miserable and alone. It's like, cut it out. There's some married people that are miserable and alone, too. You know, it, it, it's... Am I committed to just that? That's why I think sometimes when you're married and you, you look at each other and you go, you go, okay, well, what's next now? You got the whole rest of the day to look at each other, so what do we do now? You, you start learning that commitment is more than just a romantic moment. Lastly, am I committed to avoiding a life of constant discontentment? I love this part because he talked about in the end of the verse I just read to you about discontentment. You know, I, <clears throat> 
Some people live in a constant state of unhappy. I tell myself a couple of things that are very important to me. I say, Temple, you will be happy today. You will not let anything make you unhappy. How about let's have a no worry day? How about let's not be mad with anybody? How about let's forgive everybody for every sin they've committed against me for the next hour? Everybody gets a pass. Children, father, mother, cousin, everybody, boss, everybody's okay. Hey, you scare everybody on the job. Hey, how you doing? You forgiven, you forgiven, you forgiven, you forgiven. Be like Oprah Winfrey, you forgiven, you forgiven. Let everybody go. Just let everybody off the hook. Let everybody off. Everybody is free. Today you are happy. You have nothing to complain about. You have no issue. Imagine that for just a few minutes. It's amazing. If you can get committed and think about that for a moment and look at Israel's struggle because they were always in and out of discontentment. If it wasn't water, it was bread. If it wasn't bread, it was where they were living. If it wasn't where they were living, it was a nation. It was always, it was a preacher, a prophet. It was somebody they didn't like. It was a message they didn't like. It was something, always something. Discontented, not happy with your state in life, not happy with what you have. You know, it's so, I'm so stunned when I look at my life it's hilarious when you had when you have 50 people, you're unhappy. When you have 1,000 people, you're not happy. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Coast to coast, it doesn't matter. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You can have opportunities. You can travel the world. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I dreamed to stand in front of 8,000 people and stood in front of 8,000 people and wondered, did I do good? You worry when you're not in front of 1,000 or 8,000. You worry when you get in front of them. And then when you finish teaching 8,000 people and it's the biggest thing you ever did or 10,000, I think when I was in Brazil, one time it was 10,000 people. And you're just so proud of yourself standing there in Sao Paulo and thousands of people and you're exhorting. And then after you finish, did I do good? Then you spend the next 10 days worrying about, did you do good? You just live your life if you're not careful in a constant state of discontentment. And there's no man, there's no woman, there is nobody, look at me, there's nobody that can fix that in you. There's nobody that can make that different for you. You need to hear what I'm saying to you. You think a college degree, I can go around this room. You got it. You got your degree. You got your master's. You got your doctorate. You got it. And you're still, you're still, what's shocking to you is you're still struggling. Israel lived in a constant state. Here's what I want you to commit to coming out of that. I want you to say, I'm not living that way. What I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the page. I'm going to turn the page in my life. I'm going to intentionally change my life. I'm going to let the Lord do something in me that's totally different. There comes a moment in your life when only you can do that. Nobody else. And God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you. It's that moment when Peter walked out of the boat and Jesus looked at him and said, he said, you know, Peter asked this great question. Is that you out there on the water doing something nobody else I know has ever done? Is that you out there walking on the water? Is that that? Look at Peter looking out there. Jesus walking on the water saying, now that's something I want to do. I want to live like that. But it took a commitment. He had to step away from where he was. And so do you. So do I. So do we as a church. We have to step away from our comfort zone, away from what we've done. You're asking God to do things for you that he can never do. 
One of the greatest revelations for me in, in, in recent date has been Ricky Temple. Listen to me. You can live in the land that could have, would have, should have. But there are some things I could never have done for you because of the way you were thinking. This is the chance now for you to do it differently, sir. But the way you were processing, the way you were looking at the world, it was impossible. And so as I close, I want you to pray with me today. I want you to think about your life and what pages need to be turned. And I want you to think about commitment. And I want you to think about what it is we need to turn to. And I want you to back up for just a moment. There's a statement, some quotes that I put at the bottom of your notes that I thought were pretty profound. It said there's a difference between interest and commitment. When you're interested in doing something, you do it only when the circumstances permit. When you are committed to something, you accept no excuses, only results. No excuses, only results. I love this last one. And it says there are only two options regarding commitment. You're either in or you're not. There's no such thing as a life in between. God called you to be a committed person. And only you can do that. Well, I hope you have this commitment message down. I hope it inspires you to reconsider your devotion to Christ and fight through the temptation to just be average. Everybody has a moment in life when they decide what they want to be. Do you want to be extraordinary? Do you want God's faithfulness to roll through your life in great ways and in great abundance? If you do, it starts with commitment. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. Go be committed. I'll see you next time in our study. God bless. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.